episode number 35. We're going to talk about those 24-hour convenience stores and how to go about providing security and loss prevention. This is the Crime School Radio Show, where industry experts discuss the business of fighting crime and prevention strategies for making places safe. Leading today's discussion is security expert Chris McGoey. Welcome to Crime School. Almost anywhere in the world today, you could find small retail stores that offer prepackaged food, a variety of beverages and specialty items that have quick access and provide quick service. I know in my day growing up, we used to call these mom and pop stores. These were usually family-owned small markets that could easily be run by one clerk on duty. These small neighborhood markets have largely given way to corporate retail chains. And I remember specifically them merging with the petroleum industry back in the early 1970s. These new model convenience stores soon evolved into 24-7 business hours and took over all the prime locations at intersections and along major thoroughfares. These corporate-owned convenience stores, or C-stores for short, are highly specialized now. They have thousands of items instead of just a few hundred like in the old days. And now most sell gasoline combined with other products and generate much more cash flow. Unfortunately, all these efficiencies and ease of access made some convenience stores more vulnerable to crimes like armed robbery and theft. It was perfect timing for me as I entered the convenience store security management field in the mid-1970s. But since it really wasn't done before, I had to discover new ways to fight crimes of convenience in this fast-emerging industry. Convenience Store News is one of several industry magazines that reports on current issues related to C-Store operations. I remember submitting articles and giving interviews for this publication back in the 1970s. Today, I'm going to be interviewed by Tammy Mastrobrett to provide another overview of the current trend in convenience store security and loss prevention. So stay with me while I get Tammy on the line and we'll discuss this rather complex topic. This is the Crime School Radio Show. After a short break, we will introduce today's special guest. What would you say are the biggest challenges when it comes to store security for C-stores? Well, it's unchanged. I've been involved in the convenience store industry for, man, I've lost count, 40 years plus, I guess, uh, Mm -hmm. back back in the the mid-1970s. It really hasn't changed in all those years. Uh, The biggest challenge for convenience stores, obviously, is the risk of loss. The most worrisome is robbery and Mm -hmm. injuries resulting from robbery or violence in convenience stores. As convenience stores evolved uh, into 24 hours, as they did during my tenure, 
the violence uh, level increased, and that's always been the challenge. The next mm. challenge for convenience store operators is just profitability by controlling losses and expense. Yeah. Uh, losses suffered by employee theft and shoplifting are the you know, number one and number two issues, but also expense control and lost profits through not paying attention, just making errors. Right. So it's the same story, different day. Nothing's changed. The business model is still the same. It's still a box. It's about 2,500 to maybe 4,000 square feet in size. Uh, there's one primary public entrance into the store, in and out. So you would think it was pretty easy to control that box, right? Mm. But we, we seem to keep packing more and more items into the stores. I remember there was hundreds of uh, different uh, items in the store. and I mean, now there's like thousands. Yeah. Gasoline was uh, hardly sold in convenience stores. Now there's hardly a store without gasoline sales. Right. And then you add on all the other related products. So 24 hours a day, seven days a week, late night operation in a small store that's designed potentially to be operated by one individual. So yeah. there's uh, likely to be problems with that scenario from time to time, depending on the mm -hmm. store and location. Right. And do you think, like, when you're talking about the security, it's obviously that the, there's theft and then there's, like, violent crimes. Has any of those ratios changed at all? And, and do you think violent crimes are still as big of an issue? Well, the ratios are always changing. There's some small convenience stores that have no issues at all, and they've never been robbed, are perfectly safe most of the time, and then there's others that are flat-out dangerous. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some stores that shouldn't be open that are operating today. They're just that dangerous because of their markets, and there's others that can operate uh, perfectly fine. Most of those that are on the fringe area, the borderline area, can be controlled. They're potentially hazardous or possibly even dangerous, but because of uh, precautions that the, the store chain takes or the, or the operators take, they're able to manage that to a, in, to a reasonable level. So there's only so many ways to provide security. Uh, when people say the word security, many people just have a very limited perspective of what that means. Well, there's, in, in that business, there's really only four ways of attacking it. Either do it through the design of the store, you know, where it's located, how it's designed, how it faces the street, how, what kind of visibility it has, and so forth. Other ways with hardware and equipment, you know, barriers like doors and things and video surveillance cameras and alarm systems and signage and different things could have an impact on security. Policies and, and uh, procedures obviously have a big thing to do with security and loss. Certainly cash control, inventory control is really where it's all about. And then uh, personnel to kind of put all that together, you know, to make it happen, to glue all those components together. So a well-run, well-managed store is one that is designed right, has uses the support of hardware, equipment, and technology mm -hmm. uh, to help it where it can. Uh, good policies, procedures, training programs, hiring the right people, having the right amount of staff, and then executing perfectly. Now, that's not too much to ask, is it? Not at all. 
And then when, when we're talking about kind of actually impacting the bottom line of convenience stores, is it still, I know for, for a long time it was like this whole, you know, internal theft was higher than external theft, but a lot of people have kind of cracked down and integrated cameras with POS and business intelligence and all that kind of stuff. So is internal theft still as much of an issue as, as it was, or would you say external theft is more of an issue? Ever since the day that Eve stole that apple from the Garden of Eden, <laughs> if you uh, subscribe to the biblical reference, mm -hmm. it's been one of the oldest crimes in the world and continues to be the case. Uh, mm -hmm. inter internal theft from your own staff, sometimes your own family, is the highest risk of loss to an operation. Wow. Even though armed robbery and violence and assault is seems to be a higher priority, tends to get more attention. The actual dollars and profits lost from that activity is relatively low. Mm -hmm. And even a fraction of a percent by comparison to the amount of loss that's caused by theft, mostly uh, internal theft and then shoplifting after that. Now, the numbers get kicked around and lots of people chime in on it, but you show me the store that has that complains a lot about shoplifting as a primary loss of thousands of dollars of inventory, and I'll mm -hmm. show you a store that has a much higher internal theft, employee theft problem, and they're simply blaming it on shoplifting. Yeah, okay. It's just one of the characteristics because when you have a high shoplifting store, not in every case, but in many or most cases, it's just lack of control. It's just lack of organization and a security plan uh, to control it. Because mm. I know I've worked with many stores, I mean hundreds and even thousands of stores around the country that have complained about shoplifting losses. And every single time I get into it, there's more to it than that. It's weak management, it's weak employees, or more often is the case, the employees are blaming the losses on shoplifting. And the, right. owners, the owners who can't be there 24 hours a day accept those reports. Mm. And, and then they sort of take the heat off the employees. Now, when we're talking specifically about technology, I know there's, you know, upgraded cameras and they're, they're taking better pictures and people are integrating them with other technologies. So what would you say are kind of the most important technologies that can assist with SOAR security and how have they actually kind of changed for the better? <laughs> I'm not sure they have changed for the better. But, <laughs> okay. But technology has its place. I think part of it is, my problem is, I'm old and I'm old school. Mm -hmm. I had to solve these problems back in the 70s when there wasn't any electronic technology. Everything right. was manual. There was no video surveillance, uh, no PS machines. You had mechanical cash registers. You had to count by hand doing inventories. It was slow. Mm -hmm. But a store could manage its inventory perfectly well using all that old technology and could do so very accurately. Mm -hmm. uh, technology could be a crutch. If they rely 100% on their video cameras and do nothing else, they could still have very high inventory shrinkage. Right. So I believe low-tech is best. And when I consult with the chains and, and, and that over the years, that's what I always argue to them. I want them to do all the basics, all of lo the low-tech basics first, Mm -hmm. And then fill in technology as a supporting character to help you. Because oh. I'm here to tell you, I see people spend 
tens of thousands of dollars on these high-tech video systems with integrated uh, POS interfaces and, and everything else and software. And if you don't use it, if you don't look at the data, you don't watch the video footage and take advantage of what it's showing you, it's not going to do you any good. You just wasted your money, essentially. And, mm -hmm. they're, and they're thinking that the employees are going to be deterred by that. Well, I'm here to tell you that employees find out very quickly whether the video system is working or not, whether you're watching it or not, or if anyone's doing periodic audits or not. If you're not being mm -hmm. held accountable for inventory, if you're not being held accountable for cash transactions and the cash in your drawer, uh, they find out very, very fast. And, mm -hmm. they'll, and they'll take advantage of that. Now, operating a 24-hour convenience store is tough. Mm. When I argued all this stuff and, and tried to create all these solutions, people were constantly calling my bluff, saying, well, shoot, you never done it. How do you know this stuff? Okay, so I did it. I ran store for a while. Mm -hmm. And I had to prove up everything. I had to walk the walk, so to speak, and prove up everything that, I, that I've said. I actually hired a, a team uh, from a university to come in and do time studies, counting every step that I implemented as a new procedure to help control cash and inventory and transaction time. And we got it down to a very efficient operation that we cut out just a lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted steps, a lot of wasted inventory controls, and got it down to following a a good loss prevention plan is far more efficient than everybody just operating randomly and ineffectively and people taking the same steps or touching the same items two or three or four times and then having no audit trail, no resource available to try to determine the true source of a loss. Mm -hmm. So well-run stores are actually run smoother and more efficiently. It seems like a lot of work, but if you spread that work out of the course of a 24-hour day, seven days a week, everybody being trained and pitching in, doing a small part every shift, mm -hmm. uh, before you know it, everything's done. It's much easier to control inventory and cash loss. And when you do that, I also find that your staff is happier. You retain your staff longer, usually. And if you're profitable, you're able to pay your staff more. So. All of those things considered is the best way to operate the store. Now, a store that's run well, that's clean, that's organized with attentive staff, that's greeting customers when they come in and talking to their customers, guess what? They also have less security problems. They have less, less shoplifting. They have less robbery problems, less assaultive issues, simply because of the quality of the staff, the level of training that they have, and their ability to execute a plan. Yeah. So in terms of the technology where it does integrate with the POS or anything like that, basically it can be helpful as long as someone is literally, I mean, I, I would imagine it's helpful mostly for internal theft, but someone has to be monitoring it and looking at the exceptions and actually doing something about it so employees know that you're on top of it, I guess, in order for it to kind of deter that behavior. Exactly. Okay. When you put together a loss prevention plan for a convenience store, Obviously, you want to hire the best people you can. You got to try to do some screening and background checking to make sure you're hiring honest people to the extent you could determine that to begin with. And then you got to train them up fully. You got to train them in detailed shift procedures, not just for the day shift, but for all three shifts. So you could overlap and 
assign them the different shifts, she can compare and contrast the performance of each employee against the other employees. So you could mm-hmm. determine uh, sales levels on the shift and percentage of sales and overring trends and cash shortage trends and things like that. But when you're training people in detailed procedures and then you supervise them closely and watch them execute the procedures, the dishonest person is the one who stops following those procedures the quickest, mm-hmm. or starts varying or starts resisting your training, not accepting the training. Those are the ones that you have to watch the closest or they're more likely to be involved with dishonest activity. And that's mm-hmm. a, and it's almost like a test of you. If they start shirking on their responsibilities and not following procedures or good accountability and you don't press them on it, well, they're going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And they'll very, very quickly find out that you really don't know what's going on. You really don't know what your sales volume should be on that shift. You really don't know what your inventory should be on any given day. Your product buildups, you know, kind of go out the window. And if you're not checking your POS uh, readouts for trends and patterns, they learn very fast. And mm-hmm. if you're not watching the video, I guarantee you <laughs> they know you're not watching the video because they might say something like, hey, did you see that character come in at 3 o'clock in the morning and did thus and such? And you have no idea what they're talking about. Right. Or you never follow up and say, you know, hey, I was looking at the video and I noticed that this customer came in at 1 a.m., had a red shirt on and did this. You start questioning them about a particular transaction. Then Mm -hmm. you're sending them the opposite message that you're watching every little detail. And you make those little details a training exercise, like, how to give change better or how to bag goods better or how to get out from behind the counter and front the merchandise on the shelves, keep the store neat, you know, how to keep active during the day, things like that, how to drop money, the frequency of dropping uh, large bills and so forth. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, just an unlimited list of things you could review with your employees on a regular basis. And it gives, yeah. you, gives you the opportunity to praise them for all the good things they're doing. So the bad operators do just the opposite. Mm. You know, it's just the reciprocal. They never watch the video. They, they don't balance their, their cash very often. They don't make daily deposits. Uh, they don't require the store to be neat and faced. They don't do spot check inventories. I mean, I can go on rattle off for 30 minutes about the things they don't <laughs> do. And the employees are like, well, why should I care? You know, if you don't care. And right. then it just opens the door. Those that are weak-willed or... Our thieves at heart will start taking you on first a little bit at a time and then more and more and more just to test. They might have a good run of a couple of months until you finally get around to taking inventory and and get the shock of your life when you're tens of thousands of dollars short in inventory. Right. In general, what would you say are kind of some of the, the best practices when it comes to this? I know you said obviously putting a loss prevention plan in place and training and all that. So if you could kind of, um, and, and where technology falls into that also, but what, what would you kind of list as the best practices to kind of get better control over the security end of it, whether it's internal theft or external? Well, some things you have more control over than others. Obviously, Mm -hmm. placement of the store. Uh, Back when I worked for the largest convenience store chain in the world, after some convincing, uh, my staff was allowed to look into store locations before they were built or before the dirt was purchased. And that gave us a lot of advantage because we didn't put a store in a really bad neighborhood. Uh, Sometimes the uh, 
the marketing uh, people and the real estate people would make site selections just based on high traffic or the density of uh, rental housing or something. What they never looked at before was that it's a super high crime area. And once you put a store in that location, you're going to be forever fighting criminal element. Right. So that's one aspect. Also, designing a store, there's different types of stores that give you tactical advantage by how it's placed on that, on that space, uh, what type of where the counter is located, whether it's a middle-end uh, sales counter, what kind of visibility it has. Uh, when new, during new construction, you could pull wires for video systems, for POS systems, for door announcement systems, for additional lighting that could be applied. There's a lot of design features that can go into the building. So if you have mm -hmm. the option of doing that beforehand, that's the way to go. That's going to save you money down the road. You can mm -hmm. get locks built into the uh, the coolers and so forth. Without that, if you just have a store and you have to take the store on its face, the other thing that you have uh, less control over is who walks in your door at any given time. Mm -hmm. Once you're open to the general public 24 hours a day, every type of person can enter your store at any time. Where the store is located will determine generally what your traffic mix is. If you're next to a bunch of bars and nightclubs and stuff at 2 o'clock in the morning, when most bars close, you're going to get this bar rush mm -hmm. with a bunch of intoxicated people, uh, and it's probably going to cause you to have more violent uh, incidents and incidents with beer theft, beer runs, uh, those type of things. And you're going to have to get a, hire an employee to work that shift that's capable of dealing with all that abuse and mm. that obnoxious crowd. And that creates a lot of turnover if you have a, a rough crowd coming in. So that's something that hopefully you could deal with in the planning stage. You can anticipate, especially on Friday and Saturday nights, if you have that kind of store, what kind of traffic you're going to have and what kind of foreseeable incidents you could have. And you could plan accordingly, even if it costs you a few more dollars up front in staff right. or training or equipment, you're going to save money in the long run and reduce turnover and, and the type of incidents that you have. So that, that's a kind of approach that I take. I always take a layered approach. You have to mm -hmm. do an evaluation of your particular store, what your situation is. There's some other rules of thumb with regard to personnel. Mm -hmm. And I've looked at just, I don't know, thousands and thousands of stores and, and stores with high inventory shrinkage. Now, there's a definite correlation to high turnover. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're constantly going through staff and you're just trying to fill shift, shifts, especially the graveyard shift, you don't want to work it, so you just hire a warm body and put them right. on there. If that's going to be your practice and you're not going to train them fully, you're not going to supervise them closely, you're going to have losses, and you can have big losses. Mm. So that's an important consideration if you're going to be in this business and you're, or you're going to, as an owner or a manager. You need to take the time that it takes to get the right staff in the right positions, and you owe it to them to train them fully, give them detailed responsibilities, and hold them accountable for all of the inventory and cash and uh, transactions throughout the store. It's best for your business. They actually appreciate it, being held accountable, giving them the opportunity to meet your expectations and then hopefully being praised or rewarded for, for their activity. I mean, that's what makes for a, a healthy and a somewhat happy employee. Mm -hmm. These are all kind of generalizations and oversimplifications, but 
Mm -hmm. uh, you can control a lot of those factors. What you really can't control, again, is those people that just walk through your door and right. come in to, to rob you, to steal from you, shoplift from you. And when those things occur or start occurring at a higher frequency, then there's other things that you could do. There's some technology that you could apply. There's some personnel issues you, you could apply, some procedures you could apply. It's all doable. The, the worst stores can be brought down to at least a manageable, moderate level of, of activity. But it's the, like everything else in life. It's just the commitment. Are you willing to commit to do it correctly, to, to put in the time, to plan, to make the investment in, in people and procedures and training and supervision, and then just doing it over and over and over again as you have turnover. Thousands of convenience store operators do it every day and do it successfully. Have you ever heard of Blue Line Technology? Yes. Yeah, I interviewed them, um, and then I interviewed a convenience store um, operator that they work with that I guess he had a store that was robbed, I guess it was like three times in six months or something along those lines, and they put in that technology with the face recognition, um, and they've seen a difference. Do you think, is that something that if, I don't know, if, you know, you would open a convenience store and put it in, but if there, if there was a problem that was occurring, would that be something, do you think, that would be an option for the technology to kind of thwart some of that um, violence or robberies or anything like that? Well, these days, I don't pr promote any particular uh, product or service or, or device. But robberies, if we're talking about just store robberies, where the robber is coming in to steal the cash from the store, the cash is the target. And the, solu okay. the solution that has worked since the 70s, the best solution is just simply cash control. If you could operate your store with a minimum amount of cash on hand, especially on the, uh, the late night shift, you're not going to get robbed as often. That's a fact, uh, a long, a long uh, well-established, uh, proven fact that some robbers, as long as they're halfway sober and halfway intelligent, they're going to try to pick a store with the best opportunity, where they're going to get the biggest score. And I could take you out this afternoon. You and I can go in a convenience store, and I can go buy something small. I could hand the cashier a $20 bill, and you and I could both see where that 20 goes. And I'll still see today, I just shudder when I see it, them lift up the tray of the cash readers, put the $20 bill underneath. Mm -hmm. And I could see 10, 15, 20 other bills in there. Well, guess what? You're just setting yourself up. I'm going to come back to that store if I'm a robber and rob you. Now, to the contrary, mm -hmm. if you're using technology like one of those uh, uh, drop safes uh, where the clerk can't get access to the safe any longer or for at least not immediately, and mm -hmm. you're dropping any, every $20 bill that you get, you're dropping immediately in front of the customer. And yeah. You're, and you're not accepting large bills. Then the robber that's standing by watching that realizes, if I come back, I'm not going to get any money. <laughs> I'm committing multiple felonies. It's just not worth the trouble. It's not worth the time I'm going to have to do if I get caught. And they're going to go down the street, and that's all it is. That's all mm -hmm. robbery prevention is. The robber is still going to be a robber. Until he gets right. incarcerated or worse, he's still going to go out there and victimize people. So the game for the convenience store industry is simply not be the best choice. Mm -hmm. You want to be the worst okay. choice. You want the word to get out on the street that this particular convenience store doesn't have any money in it. And right. they've got superior video equipment. They're going to capture my image. And as soon as I walk in the store, I can see a monitor hung from the ceiling. And there I am. There's my image right on that screen captured. 
And mm-hmm. I know if I come back to rob this store, they're going to have my ID and my image is going to be on American Most Wanted, you know, Saturday, on Saturday night. So that works extremely well. And, and remember, back when I started in the 70s, we didn't have video systems and, and we didn't have uh, drop safes yet. And we didn't have really any kind of a safe. We're still using floor safes. And then we started experimenting with video cameras and with the monitor hanging down from the ceiling. I started, sort of started that in one of my areas and, and ran some tests. And boy, did it make a difference. Uh, now, some of the robbers started wearing a mask. They pull a ski mask over their head. Mm-hmm. But they forgot to take off, you know, the tattoos on their neck or their sunglasses <laughs> or, the, you know, the red uh, shirt or whatever other identifying things. And then all the other stuff works, all the subliminal things, uh, the door strips on the door, the height markers. Uh, I remember uh, in, in Arizona back in the 70s, we used uh, magic markers to just to put marks on the door, what the height of the rob- exiting robber was, because the police wanted to know, you know, how tall was this guy? How big was this guy? Mm-hmm. And that kind of evolved uh, uh, from that. So little things like that, it doesn't mean anything to honest people. Robbers see a height marker and they go, holy cow, last time they were arrested, they stood in front of this height marker and got photographed when they were booked. Mm-hmm. And uh, other things like that, the signs on the doors that say uh, the clerk cannot open the safe. You know, we don't accept, you know, bills larger than a 20. And then mm-hmm. you back it up with signage on the safe saying clerk cannot open the safe. And then you back that up by the procedure of the clerk not never, ever, ever putting a large bill like 20 or above in the cash register. And you back it up if you have two or three POS machines and you're on duty by yourself, the other two machines are empty and they're standing open and the tray's tipped up. So there's no guesswork. Any robber that comes in could see that, you know, man, there's just not enough money in here. I'm going to go down the street and rob this other place. And these okay. knuckleheads, whatever the particular problem is, I mean, they, they talk. The word, oh, gets, sure. the word gets out on the street, and they sort of know who the easy target is, who the bad target is. And, and unfortunately, right. you're, you're uh, displacing the problem down the street to uh, your competitor, I guess, but that's what you need to do. The same thing with employee theft before we uh, bail here. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, there is a pool. There's an employee pool of people that will work in convenience stores. Mm-hmm. And when uh, convenience store operators are looking to hire someone, boy, do their eyes light up when they see on the application that they've worked for other convenience stores. They go, wow, I don't have to train this guy, mm-hmm. this man or woman, or not as much, because they have, quote, convenience store experience. <laughs> but all the thieves that ever worked at a convenience store want to go out and get another job in another convenience store if they can. Right. right? Because, man, they know how it works. They know the system. They know that I'm going to work all alone on a shift. There's not going to be anybody here. They're going to know that the owner never comes back, you know, once the sun goes down. They're going to know Mm -hmm. that the uh, video surveillance cameras are never watched. Or they're going to know that they can go up and just maybe cover the uh, video surveillance camera or do something. And uh, they could have a run for weeks or months before something happens and maybe they lose their job and move on. So screening and background checks and checking references, all those things are so important. Yeah. What other problems could we solve today, Tammy? I don't know. Um, Those are pretty much all my questions, unless there's any other big issues that I didn't bring up or talk about. Yeah, let's talk about the last one that I'll let you go. The other big issue is it's, it's a convenience store is a box. All the glasses on the front of the box usually looking forward towards the gas pumps if you have them. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the problems has always been for 40 years is that the, the one or two clerks inside can't see outside very well, can't see mm-hmm. the sides of the rear of the building. And some convenience stores, depending where they're locating, become that hangout spot for miners uh, trying to buy alcoholic beverages or people involved in the drug trade might find that a great location. I mean, it's a well-lighted, safe place that they mm-hmm. want to hang out and transact their trade. And uh, a lot of the robbers, we've come to find out, they will stage usually before walking in robbing the store. So they might be around the side or the back or someplace, and they're going to like the stores with the good escape routes. Mm -hmm. So you need to pay attention to the other sides of the store and the outsides of your store as well, not just the inside. Technology can help there a little bit with video cameras, but the staff needs to get outside every once in a while, look around. And I think one of the big things, too, is a lot of times they'll put all these promotions in the windows and then you can't see anything outside. Oh, man, you're going to drive me nuts now. I banged my head against the wall for years, for decades, Mm. trying to get all that crap out of the windows. And uh, I had mandates from the highest level saying that nothing was going to be in the windows, period. Well, that didn't last very long. Then slowly one banner, then another banner, then... And the next first time they had a beer promotion, they'd stack up uh, cases of beer up in the whole front window. And and, uh, every vendor that comes in willing to offer you $5 to to put their little display on the counter, I mean, pretty soon you got 50 displays all over the counter where you can't even place your merchandise down to make a purchase anymore. So I fought that for years until I left, and it's it, it still exists today, and it drives me nuts when I go in the store. And I, if, they, if they only knew what I knew, they wouldn't do it. Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I hope you found this episode interesting, and we'll share it with your family, friends, and coworkers. We all have different perspectives different points of view, based on our background, our education, our training, our life experience. So it's important to have these discussions. That's how we learn, right? That's how we solve problems. What do you want to hear discussed? What ideas do you think are important? I'm always looking for a guest. If you followed Crime School, you know that we've had some outstanding guests on the show. So I'm looking for those that have special knowledge about crime, crime prevention, loss prevention, that have a legal background, that want to talk about criminal law, civil law, the court system, liability and negligence. I want to talk about products, especially those that deal with solving a crime or loss prevention problem. Let's discuss it on the air. If you're a crime victim and you have a motivating story to tell or interesting outcome, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for participating in Crime School and for doing your part in making places safe. This is the Crime School Radio Show with your host, Chris McGoey. We invite you to comment on today's topic and join the Crime School community. For more information and show notes from this episode, please visit crimeschool.com.